Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, February 21st. Happy Don't Fall For It Day. Which it ain't. I made that up. But there's a couple holidays today that kind of illustrate how the B system is always running scams on us, trying to make us believe stuff that ain't true. Don't fall for it. For example, today is World Kombucha Day, which is basically fermented Chinese tea that the hippies say cures everything from anxiety to gray hair to darn even cancer. Not that there's any evidence of that, and this holiday was invented by Kavita Beverage Company, which sells, guess what, kombucha. Thus proving my theory that hippies will buy anything if you call it Chinese health food. Of course, even though it ain't a cure-all, kombucha is actually supposed to be good for you. But then the most effective lies are always 99% truth, ain't they? Don't fall for it. Then there's Single Tasking Day which is a day for all y'all stressed out multitaskers to calm the heck down and just try to focus on finishing one dang job. Except the dirty little secret is, there ain't no such thing as multitasking. Humans can't focus on more than one thing at a time. Maybe two if you try real hard, or three if you're super smart. But what we call multitasking is really just switching back and forth between jobs and not doing none of them well which is super frustrating and stressful for you and your boss, who's also bought into this lie and expects you to multitask all day long, like you said you could on your resume, especially if you're a woman, because for years the beast system's been telling everybody that women are better multitaskers than men, just to drive that wedge a little deeper between the sexes, except, again, not a real thing. Don't fall for it. You know? It's almost like the B system wants us all stressed out and anxious and constantly at each other's throats over nonsense. Nah, that's crazy talk. Our reading for today is Leviticus 11:1 through 12:8, Mark 5:21 through 43, Psalm 38:1 through 22, and Proverbs 10:8 and 9. So if y'all are ready, my new doctor said I needed to start choking people out. Actually, what he said was I need to eliminate stressors in my life. But we all know what he really meant. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 20th, in the Old Testament, we read Leviticus 9-7 through 10-20. And the last thing we read was that if they do everything like they're supposed to do, the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. Aaron therefore went unto the altar and slew the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar, and he slew the burnt offering, and he did wash the inwards and the legs and the breast and the right shoulder, and he waved him for a wave offering and did it all like he was supposed to do. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. And I would too. And so you'd think in chapter 10, with the glory of the Lord there and intimidating everybody and knowing how much of a stickler for the rules the Lord is, at least with the Jews he is anyway, you'd think they'd want to be on their best behavior. But you and I both know that's not how the Jews do things. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, which is a thing for burning incense, and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And nobody knows what the strange fire was. 
Some say it was fire they kindled themselves instead of taking it from the perpetual fire of the altar. Others say they were drunk when they did it, and that was the problem. And there's even some who say it was some kind of freaky Nephilim science or magic or space alien fusion reactions or something, which I doubt, but what do I know? But whatever it was, it was disobedient and wrong, and they'd been warned, but they did it anyway. So that fire that just came out and consumed the sacrifices came out and consumed them. And Aaron was understandably upset, and he must have been about to say or do something rash that he couldn't take back, because Moses intervened and said, The Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. This is what God said would happen if anybody does what they did. So Aaron held his peace. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and to Ithamar, his sons, Don't do any of the traditional signs of mourning for them. They did something really wrong, and besides, you're still on the clock and you got responsibilities. The anointing oil of the Lord is still on you. So ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. Then the Lord himself tells Aaron, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. And this verse is why some say Nadab and Abihu were drunk, because you're supposed to be clean and sanctified and holy to be around God. And intoxicants are the opposite of that. Back when I used to drink a lot, I had buddies that I used to drink a lot with. I know, shocker. And sometimes we'd get drunk and talk about Jesus. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it ain't good. But it's better than getting drunk and not talking about Jesus. But still, all those impurities in your body, whether it's drugs or alcohol or anger or high fructose corn syrup or trashy TV shows, everything that's not of faith is sin. And it interferes with your ability to come to God. It's stuff everybody has to deal with, but we're all sinners. So whatever you can do to rid yourself of all that, you should do, or as much as possible. Anyway, Moses spake unto Aaron, and unto Eleazar, and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left, said, Take the meat offering that remaineth of the offerings of the Lord made by fire, and eat it without the leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy, which is what they were supposed to do. He was trying to put them back to work, but they didn't do it. And when Moses diligently sought the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burnt, he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, and said, Why y'all ain't eat the sin offering to make atonement for the congregation? And it's funny language, but basically what he says is, After everything that's happened today, it's pretty clear that the Lord is displeased with us. I figured it was better for me to just not complete all the rituals than to go through with it and run the risk of further displeasing the Lord. Best just try again later. And Moses is like, Well, yeah, you're probably right. But that's as far as we read. So God is teaching them and us what he wants from us, which is total devotion. If we know what he wants and carelessly give him what is convenient, he won't accept it. Presumption got a couple of priests killed and their family couldn't even mourn. This might not have been their first time being careless, but it was definitely their last. Pure devotion keeps us. And in the New Testament, we read Mark 4.26-5.20. through 520. And Jesus is given parables, and he gives one here that only Mark records. He says basically that a man sows seed on the ground and just goes on about his business because he doesn't know how God goes about causing that seed to sprout and come up. The earth can handle that herself. She don't need any help from man. But when that crop comes to fruition, he gets to reap the benefit of what the earth did. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And there's a couple ways to interpret that. But what I get from it is, as far as your salvation is concerned, none of it is your doing, and you can't take credit for it. 
You might even say the same thing about any personal improvement you experience in the process of it, like getting delivered from whiskey and cigarettes. God gets the glory for all of it, and that's an important thing to remember. Yes, and I have a testimony along these lines of not taking credit for what God does. There was a person I worked with years ago that I had a very bad attitude toward and couldn't get past it. Finally, I stopped trying to be righteous, also known as self-righteous, and before a phone conversation with the person, I prayed a simple prayer. My heart was changed toward that person that day during that work conversation. The Lord fixed my heart. I didn't have to act fixed. I was fixed. Big difference. Then Jesus gives the parable of the mustard seed, where he says the kingdom of heaven is like an itty-bitty little mustard seed that grows into a great tree that the birds build nests in. Mark actually doesn't call it a tree, but other gospels do. And what most people say is, this is an illustration of how the church is going to grow and fill the earth and stuff. Thing is, though, mustard is a little bitty bush. Birds don't nest in it. And even if they did, birds are symbolic of evil spirits, Satan being the prince of the power of the air and all. And what this may be is an anti-religious lesson, a warning against the wrong kind of growth, and a warning against being like the Pharisees. The problem with that is, there is a species of mustard plant that can get pretty big, 10 feet or better, and birds might hang out in that. And parables are a form of art, and art uses symbolism. But that doesn't mean that every word in it is used symbolically. Freud would say sometimes a knife is just a knife, and sometimes a bird just means bird. And now that you're all thoroughly confused, here's a third option. Both of those interpretations are technically correct. The church has filled the earth, sort of, such as it is, and religion is a bad thing and invites evil spirits. So maybe sometimes Jesus means more than one thing when he says what he says. And if you find yourself caught in this interpretation trap, here's a rule of thumb. Does your unique understanding and interpretation violate the word of God somewhere else? If so, you're probably off base. And also, if somebody disagrees, are you going to cuss them out and never speak to them again? If so, you're religious and you need to quit. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us with life-changing revelation. He doesn't just puff us up with Bible knowledge. When we listen, we are changed. It's a personal journey with the Lord. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit in his place to be in the earth with us. We need to help each other on this journey because we'll stand alone before God. There'll be no finger pointing allowed. Anyway, being already in a boat like he was, Jesus decides to go to the other side of the lake and a bunch of other boats follow him. While they're on their way, a big storm blows up and the waves beat up the ship and they start taking on water. Of course, Jesus ain't worried. He's asleep on a pillow. So they wake him up and he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And the disciples were very impressed, but Jesus scolded them for having no faith. I always take note that the first thing the disciples did was to accuse Jesus of not caring, and a little contempt how he could sleep during our storm. And next, I see that Jesus was clearly disappointed that his disciples didn't know how to handle a storm. So, Lord, help us speak to the storms in our life that come to shipwreck and destroy us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And in chapter 5, they get to the other side where the Gadarenes live, which just means they live in the city of Gadara. Sometimes you'll hear them called Gergesenes. And as soon as he gets out of the boat, 
here comes out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And he must have had some kind of super strength because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And that's actually not uncommon with possessed people, is my understanding. And he was all the time hollering and cutting himself, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Demons still have to answer to God. And this one, it was a legion of them actually, they knew who the real boss was. And they begged him not to torment them before the time came. Specifically, he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And it's possible that means a specific geographical area. There is some precedent for spirits to control certain regions. The prince of the power of Persia in Daniel, for example. And God himself chose Israel. Or that might be figurative, because Jesus uses similar language talking about demons going through dry and desert places when they get cast out. But whatever, they wanted to stay in some kind of physical body because they asked to be put in this herd of swine nearby. Demons are like that. They seem to crave a body to possess, not like angels that can manifest however they want. But what I think is the most amazing thing about this story is Jesus let them do it. He had compassion for a bunch of demons that'd murder him if they could. Don't know that I would have done that. Of course, the pigs all freaked out and ran down into the sea and drowned. And the guys who kept the pigs were just standing there watching this whole scene unfold and they freaked out and they ran to town telling everybody who'd listened what just happened. So the townspeople come out and they find the guy that was possessed with the devil and had the legion just sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they're like, we don't want any trouble. And since Jesus is the number one troublemaker, they begged him to leave town. So he did. And the legion guy wanted to go with him for obvious reasons. But Jesus is like, no, since they don't want me here, you got to stay behind and preach what it was that I did for you. You got to be my rep. And that's as far as you read. This man was possessed with a legion of demons, yet he ran to Jesus, dragging every last one of those guys with him. Demons need our permission to torment us. And I think this is what taking every thought captive looks like. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 37, 30 through 40. And that starts out, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. He's not judgmental, that's a different thing, but he uses good judgment. That's one way you can tell who's righteous and who's not, by their decision-making ability. He says, the wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him, for a whole lot of reasons, none of which matter. It's enough to know that they hate you, and it's a good way to tell who's wicked by how hateful they are. Like that one coworker that never has anything nice to say, even about nice things? Keep that guy at arm's length. And verse 35 says, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. But it don't matter. He's still going to die and leave it all behind. It's all vanity. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. We speak wisdom and justice because that's what God gives us. And yes, we are hated for our loyalty to him. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 10, 6, and 7. It says, Blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. And Barnes says, The meaning is perhaps the violence which the wicked has done is as a bandage over his mouth, reducing him to a silence and shame. But what I think is, it's more about the things that the wicked do color whatever they say. So even if they're being nice, you know it's fake. And then it says, the memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. And that seems pretty self-explanatory to me. I think the Jewish complete Bible is a better translation of this. 
blessings, think happiness, is for the head of the righteous. But the speech of the wicked is a cover for violence. The righteous don't have to cover anything. They walk uprightly. But the wicked love chaos and all the violence that it brings. The wicked can only steal, kill, and destroy. Their speech is to cover who they are until they get what they want. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 21st is Leviticus 11.1-12.8. 1 and the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof, and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud, among the beasts that shall ye eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof. As the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the swine, though he divide the hoof, and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. Of their flesh ye shall not eat, and their carcass shall ye not touch, they are unclean to you. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters and the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas, and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. They shall be even an abomination unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh, but ye shall have their carcasses an abomination. Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. And these are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten, they are an abomination. The eagle, and the ossifrage, and the osprey, and the vulture, and the kite after his kind, every raven after his kind, and the owl and the nighthawk, and the cuckoo, and the hawk after his kind, and the little owl, and the cormorant, and the great owl, and the swan, and the pelican, and the gyre eagle, and the stork, the heron after her kind, and the lapwing, and the bat. All fowls that creep, going upon all four, shall be an abomination unto you. Yet these may ye eat of every flying creeping thing that goeth upon all four, which have legs above their feet, to leap with all upon the earth. Even these of them ye may eat, the locust after his kind, and the bald locust after his kind, and the beetle after his kind, and the grasshopper after his kind. But all other flying creeping things which have four feet shall be an abomination unto you, and for these ye shall be unclean. Whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until the even. And whosoever beareth aught of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. The carcasses of every beast which divideth the hoof, and is not cloven-footed, nor cheweth the cud, are unclean unto you. Every one that toucheth them shall be unclean. And whatsoever goeth upon his paws, among all manner of beasts that go on all four, those are unclean to you. Whoso toucheth their carcass shall be unclean until the even. And he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. They are unclean to you. These also shall be unclean unto you among the creeping things that creep upon the earth, the weasel and the mouse and the tortoise after his kind, and the ferret and the chameleon and the lizard and the snail and the mole. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whosoever doth touch them when they be dead shall be unclean until the even. And upon whatsoever any of them when they are dead doth fall, it shall be unclean. 
whether it be any vessel of wood or raiment or skin or sack, whatsoever vessel it be, wherein any work is done, it must be put into water, and it shall be unclean until the even, so it shall be cleansed. And every earthen vessel whereinto any of them falleth, whatsoever is in it shall be unclean, and ye shall break it. Of all meat which may be eaten, that on which such water cometh shall be unclean, and all drink that may be drunk in every such vessel shall be unclean, and everything whereupon any part of their carcass falleth shall be unclean, whether it be oven or ranges for pots, they shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean unto you. Nevertheless, a fountain or pit, wherein there is plenty of water, shall be clean, but that which toucheth their carcass shall be unclean. And if any part of their carcass fall upon any sowing seed which is to be sown, it shall be clean. But if any water be put upon the seed, and any part of their carcass fall thereon, it shall be unclean unto you. And if any beast of which ye may eat die, he that toucheth the carcass thereof shall be unclean until the even. And he that eateth of the carcass of it shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. He also that beareth the carcass of it shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the even. And every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth shall be an abomination, it shall not be eaten. Whatsoever goeth upon the belly, and whatsoever goeth upon all four, or whatsoever hath more feet among all creeping things that creep upon the earth, them ye shall not eat, for they are an abomination. Ye shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth. Neither shall ye make yourselves unclean with them, that ye should be defiled thereby. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beasts and of the fowl and of every living creature that moveth in the waters, and of every creature that creepeth upon the earth, to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. Chapter 12 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of the separation for her infirmity shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary, until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. But if she bear a maid child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her separation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying threescore and six days. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon, or a turtle dove for a sin offering, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord, and make an atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath borne a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Our reading in the New Testament for February 21st is Mark 5, 21-43. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. 
And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee? And sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose, and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. And our reading in Psalms for February 21st is Psalm 38, 1-22. A Psalm of David to bring to remembrance. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my skin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as an heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, and imagine deceits all the day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not, and I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. But mine enemies are lively, and they are strong. And they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord my salvation. And our reading in Proverbs for February 21st is Proverbs 10, 8 and 9.
The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. Okay, that's got it for the 21st. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Philippians 4.8, which says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on what you're feeding your head with because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, David promised I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes because he knew that as a man thinks, so is he. And what evil we allow on our minds takes root in our hearts and soon bears the fruit of sin. Just as keeping company with bad men corrupts good morals, keeping company with bad music, movies, or religion has the same effect. Help us, Father, to take every thought captive and fill our minds with only what is worthy of your children, that we bear only good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible, y'all, and I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody that's listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Okay, so yesterday on Saturday, no, do it right. Okay, so yesterday on the 10th, no, it's not the 10th.